Hey, it's Dimpney here and welcome to my Intelligent Property Investor Series. Now look, if you're new to the series, I want to explain to you why I'm putting this together because this is a lot of content, it's a lot of information and I'm giving it all out to you for one very special reason. Well, maybe two. The first one is that first of all, I want you to be an intelligent, smart property investor. Now that's all very well if you want to Skype to your friends and talk about things over the barbecue, a bit of economics. But the real reason, and this is number two, is that as a smart, intelligent property investor, you're going to make smart, intelligent property investment decisions. And that means you are going to make more profits. Because you see, real estate is a business and the more you know about real estate, the more you know about the market, the more you know about, about everything to do with it, the better decisions you are going to make and therefore the better results you are going to get. So that's my purpose behind putting together this whole series. Now, uh, the third reason I suppose is that I want to talk to you about specific investment property decisions. There's a lot of commentators out there that'll talk to you about the market and the, you know, the, the S&P 500's doing this and, and the gold price is doing that. This is specifically designed for property investors. It's specific data that I've put together uh, and I'll be putting together every single week about what's happening in the market and how it affects the property industry. Not just here in Australia, but in fact, around the world. Because there's a lot of hype around the world. There's a lot of hype about, about markets and it's going to do this and it's going to do that. Well, I hope to be able to give you some absolute little gold nuggets that you can put into practice. Now, if you make this a weekly habit, I can guarantee you, you're going to be certainly more intelligent about your decisions. And if you take action on those decisions, then you're going to be more profitable as well. So when we start to, to look at the markets, you know, you might be hearing me on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. You might be hearing this on a podcast. You might be, uh, you know, listening to this on my website, iloverealestate.tv. Wherever you're listening to this, make it a habit because the more habitual this becomes, the, uh, the, the more information you're going to accumulate over time and the better results you're going to get as a result. Now, if you're listening to me, particularly on podcast, because I'm putting this information out on podcasts as well, uh, you'll get a lot more benefit if you jump on and see all of my charts. Because as an economist, I'm putting in a lot of information and showing you the trends and what's happening and why that's important. So uh, either on my YouTube channel or particularly on my website, iloverealestate.tv, you can jump on there. Um, I post these up on a weekly basis. And if you subscribe to my, uh, my email list, you're going to get them coming out to you, a notification, hey, there's a new one there. So you won't actually miss out on anything. So that's my recommendation for you to actually get the most out of this whole series. Now remember, because it's a series, I've done some in the past. So if you've, this is the first one you're listening to, jump on and have a, a listen to the ones that I've done over the last few weeks. And because it's a series, it means I'm going to be back here next week to give you even more data on what's happening on a blow-by-blow -blow basis. All right, let's get into the actual masterclass. So what are we going to be covering today? Well, the first thing that's really very topical at the moment is the fact that JobKeeper is ending. 
Now, because JobKeeper is ending, um, it's going to have an economic impact. It's going to, to reflect certain things in the market. And I'll talk about that this morning. Now, the next thing is the Chinese trade war. And I know I've spoken about this yeah, I think it was only last week I spoke about this, but I want to talk about it again because there's some new information coming out that I think is pretty important. The next thing is that I want to talk about the housing market in other countries, particularly Western countries. And this week I'm going to feature two countries to talk about and uh, how they compare, of course, to what's happening in the Australian property investor market. So let's get into it. All right, the first thing that I think is important is to talk about this JobKeeper ending. What impact is it actually going to have? Well, if you look at this, you can see here that um, we had a massive spike back in April when uh, JobKeeper was first announced and I think everybody was, was scared about what the impacts were going to be. There was a lot of uncertainty in the market and anybody who could possibly squeeze into the, uh, the regulations did and collected JobKeeper. There was a lot who squeezed into the regulations who perhaps didn't uh, uh, qualify for, for the uh, JobKeeper and, and the tax office is now putting out a massive, massive um, uh, audit squad on exactly that. So if you've been claiming uh, JobKeeper as a business, guess what? You're probably going to get an audit. That's the information that's coming through from the tax office. Now, I said I'm an accountant uh, and I'm an economist. So I said I'm an economist, so I'm also an accountant, which means that I'm getting all the updates as to all the data matching that's going on from, uh, from an accounting perspective. So there's going to be a lot of ATO activity over the next few months as well. But economically, as you can see, this has been slowly coming down. So we're seeing, you know, by October of 2020, we were, uh, you know, we were half what we were in um, April of 2020, and then about half again, a little bit over uh, by the end of January, and we're stabilising out to the end of March. Now, the industries that are the most affected are really shown here because the blue lines are quarters two and three um, and how impactful that was across, the, across those varying industries, everything from arts and recreation right down to healthcare. You wouldn't have thought healthcare would have been eligible for, uh, for um, any kind of um, job keeper, but it looks like they have been. And then the, the orangey coloured one is quarter four. So that's the most recent quarter figures that we've got. And you can see there that there's been a substantial decrease in the claiming. Now, there's been some charts that have been put out here. Now, this has been put out by the ATO and uh, the Commonwealth Bank. And what they've done is they've grouped together the information as to which industries they believe are going to be the most at risk. Because when JobKeeper ends, there are going to be jobs lost. That is a fact. And they've done some estimates around what those numbers actually look like. And you can see here that transport and arts and recreation, food and accommodation are going to be the hardest hits. And that's normal. I mean, we don't have international travellers coming in. We don't have the, um, you know, we, we aren't able to fly around and do as much as we, we were previously. So a lot of those industries are going to be hit pretty hard. Now, there's a lot of incentives coming out as well to try and buoy those industries. Um, one of the ones that I actually disagree with on this chart is this one here. And even though it's only a, it's put in here as a medium risk and it's considered to be quite small, it's the rental 
hiring, all the HR and all those sort of industries, and real estate, really? I don't see this as a massive impact at all. Um, might be a little contrived, perhaps, where uh, some agents have, have slowed down to try and make their numbers fit into JobKeeper. But the fact is the real estate industry is going crazy. And as a result, um, you know, there's a lot of activity in that space. I mean, the biggest, biggest risk in the real estate industry is the lack of listings. So maybe that's what's being reflected here. But I'll talk more about that when we get on to Australian property. Now, the next thing we have here is a chart that shows across the varying industries how many jobs they estimate will be lost. So the, uh, you know, the highest risk are obviously transport, recreation and arts and uh, accommodation. And they have been hit hard. And anybody in those industries, my heart goes out to you because you know, we've just decimated those industries here in Australia. Hopefully, it means that we won't lose the talent um, that is, is so strong in this country across those industries, and we'll be able to maintain that talent when we, you know, get back to some form of normal on the other side, and we're starting to have all of those activities come back to, to full stream. Then we start to have a look at, as you see there, the, um, the retail uh, has been hit, education and uh, rental and hiring down there. So that's, they're the numbers, these are the percentages um, across the, uh, the, the jobs there, what, what, what industries are going to be hit the hardest. So when we move forward from there though, and we start to have a look at, uh, you know, what's actually happened over the last 12 months, what we see in this chart, this really shows the fact that, you know, we've, we're the worst is behind us. We have have had um, a, a massive massive unemployment initially, obviously, but then you can basically see as those numbers have come down each quarter, and we're now right down into the uh, the six percent unemployment. Now, six percent unemployment. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when we got six percent unemployment in previous uh, roller coasters or economic roller coasters. We were going, wow, we've cracked the sixes. This is so good. We've only got six percent unemployment. It's just because in more recent years, we've had very low unemployment. We've been down below the fives. Um, that, that you know, we're, we're shock horror that we got up to seven. But I don't know whether you remember or not, and this is, I don't know whether you've been following me that long or not, but back in uh, the beginning of COVID and the beginning of 2020, uh, it was tipped that unemployment could go to 15% and possibly even 20%. Well, I don't think it even got to 20% in the Great Depression. And uh, I think I was one of the lone voices out there saying, guys, this is ridiculous. Pull your head in. There's a lot of economic sense behind this that you need to understand. And we got to seven point something or other. So, you know, that, that really is not bad, especially when you compare us to a lot of other countries around the world. So what this chart here is showing is the flip side. So even though, yes, we're going to lose jobs when it comes to uh, JobKeeper, there's actually a lot of jobs being created. And this is what we're seeing here. Uh, you know, this is a chart put out by um, ANZ in the Australian Bureau of Statistics figures. And you can see there across the board, there's massive amounts of jobs being created and it's increasing substantially. So... Um, this actually shows here that the number of ads 
being created for new jobs. And we'll just move across to the next slide here. And it tells a very similar story because this is the forecast for jobs into the future. And you can see it's going to be um, even, even stronger as we move forward. So when we look at a chart like this, now this is a chart that I showed you, I think it was last week, um, and it shows you how dramatically the government support has been pulled back. So the initial massive surge from, you know, the beginning of March really was when it really started in, in 2020 and how much is going out in, in government support. And then as it comes down, uh, you know, we had the big drop off at the end of September and another drop off at the end of December, it phased down from there, and we're going down to practically nothing in this, this uh, support, as you can see, at the end of March. Now, overall, when you start looking at the, the fallout from the industries that I showed you before, there's a lot of jobs being created. Um, and these jobs being created means that, you know, the estimated, say, 110,000 in, in, in job losses uh, initially, the, the immediate loss there, it can be taken up pretty quickly by the 30,000 that we're, we're uh, creating new jobs every single month. So it, it won't take that long for those jobs to actually be filtered through, provided people are flexible enough to be able to change industries. And that's, you know, that's a big if too, because a lot of people are very, um, you know, fixated on the, the job that they've got uh, and the job that they want, as opposed to the job that's there. So, um, you know, I think, I think you're going to see some fallout around this. You're going to, certainly going to see some media activity around it. Um, and uh, it's going to be a lot of hype about, oh, I've lost my job and I you know, used to be able to do this or whatever. But there's actually just as many other people that are going, you know, I switched, I'm now doing this or I can now do this kind of job or that kind of job. There's a lot of new jobs being created as well. And one of the things that I'm, I'm pretty excited about is the um, industry confidence. And I guess I'll just come back to this chart here. <clears throat> this is the job plans. So this is CEOs that, and they're saying, we plan to have more jobs coming on. So it's not just what's there now, but it's what's planned for the future. So that's, that's really a, a pretty solid story there. And it's certainly um, going to support the economy as we move forward. Now let's get on to the next thing. And I talked about this, as I say, last week. And this is the Chinese trade war that we've got going on. Now I just want to emphasise again that this is a government-to-government -government thing. It is not a people-to-people -people thing. You know, it's the big boys at the top puffing their chests up, you know, banging their, banging their, their, their chests with their fists going, oh, but this, oh, but that, whatever. And it's uh, the industries that are actually getting hammered here. And I saw this cartoon during the week and I thought I would put it up because I think this really says it all. What's actually behind this? You know, China can get all, all offended about the fact that we called for a royal commission into where it started. But, you know, <laughs> we would do that regardless of what country it was. Um, you know, they got upset about a few things that were put in newspapers and other things, but that's the freedom of speech. People are allowed to say whatever they want in this country. But the real reason, as I see it, is we're the guinea pig in the middle. We're getting caught in the middle of the two big boys being America and China. And it's all about, oh, 
human rights, South China Sea, a whole lot of other stuff that really doesn't concern us. So um, what, what is the answer to that? Look, I don't have an answer to it. I'm, you know, I don't have a magic wand to be able to fix these things, but I do want people to chill out and understand that this is government to government. We happen to be caught piggy in the middle here. Um, it is not people to people, so settle the hell down. On top of that, we have uh, Chinese investment. Now, this has been reducing since 2016. It has little to do with the Chinese trade war. Uh, the main reason that the investment into Australia has been going down since 2000, at the end of 2016 and 2017 is because we stopped lending, the banking industry stopped lending to uh, foreign investors, which at the time there was a large percentage of Chinese investment into normal housing here in Australia, real estate. And that was causing a lot of uh, inflated pricing, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne. So once we stopped lending to them, all of that pretty much dried up. Um, and as you can see here, that's what we're seeing with, uh, with the right down here to 2020. Uh, and a lot of the, the 2020 stuff is really the big boys in a lot of the, um, you know, the, the bigger stock like our islands, which I'm not too keen about, but a few other you know, bigger, bigger plays there as opposed to general housing. This chart, I think, is also pretty important because what this chart shows is how we are switching the game. So those big pink lines that you can see there are um, our exports to China um, and, uh, you know, what, a, what a, a massive impact that that's had. But for the first time, we're starting to see countries like Saudi Arabia coming in in a, in a bigger fashion. And this really plays on from what I was talking about last week and how... When you have commodities that have a, a fixed demand, um, so not luxury items like lobsters and wine, but when you have things that have a fixed demand like, say, coal, um, meat to a lot, large extent, iron ore, barley to make beer and the, and the like, not that Saudi Arabia is probably importing too much of that, um, <laughs> being a Muslim country and all, but um, what we're seeing is that whoever... Uh, China's not buying from us now, so they're buying from somebody else. But whoever that somebody else is, whoever they were selling to previously is now out of stock. So they're going to go in the round robin and in turn buy from us in some form or another, particularly when there is a fixed demand. And there's a lot of industries where that is the case. So a lot of this political posturing that's going on really doesn't have a massive long-term impact on us. It's the luxury industries where it will have a long-term impact and it is harder for us to branch in and get new markets. And they're the ones where there isn't a fixed demand, they fluctuate up and down and things like that. So we're starting to see a lot of pivot going across to other industries and I thought I'd report this week that uh, one of those pivots is into Saudi Arabia and they seem to be coming in in a big way. And you can see there they used to be um, big on the radar back in the in 2016-2017, obviously not as big as China, but still up there, but it's an increasing market for us. Now, I thought I would just take a little bit of a pause here. I hope you're enjoying uh, the data that I'm putting out because in the minute I'm going to go on and I'm going to talk about what's happening in a couple of other countries. And the two countries that I've decided to feature are New Zealand 
and America to start with from a property perspective. But look, before I rush off and do that, I thought I'd just address something that's come up a number of times. And this is a question about how you can get access to a much higher level of information um, on a regular basis and how you can actually be coached and mentored to fast track your results. So if it's okay, I'm just going to take two quick minutes to, uh, to cover that off. And I'm going to take that as a, as a yes. So um, first of all, I'm giving everybody who watches this Intelligent Property Investor Series, I'm giving them the opportunity to have a 60-minute, one-on-one, high-level, I love real estate, um, uh, call it a coaching, coaching call, I suppose is what it is, um, on your particular circumstances. Now, it's with one of my I love real estate advisors, and it is for free. Now, what they're going to be going through is your particular circumstances, where you're at right now, what your goals, dreams, aspirations are, and, and to see if coaching and mentoring is actually something that could actually help you out and get you there faster. So see if you're a right fit for uh, for the types of things that we actually do. So it's 60 minutes with one of my advisors. And what I've found with those people who've been able to take me up on this offer is they've got a tremendous amount of benefit simply by having uh, one of those uh, one of those those one-on-one calls with one of my advisors. So if you're interested in that, all the details are here. Um, because the, the thing that's out there, there's no one size fits all. Real estate is a business and you've got to treat it like a business, which means you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a strategic plan to follow. Every successful country, every successful company, every successful business has a plan. It has a strategic plan that it is on path for. I mean, you do budgets, you do projections, you do KPIs, all of these things. Now, I'm not going to, you know, bog you down with all of that kind of stuff. But something I do want you to understand is there is no one size fits all. So what that means is we need to understand you, where you're at and where you want to go and, um, you know, and then talk to you about what that plan might actually look like for you. So there are 60-minute um, interviews and uh, all the details are below all of this so that you can, you can get the, uh, the details there. Book in a call. Now, I've, I've only set a few aside um, for, uh, for this week because my, my advisor's time is very valuable. Uh, so if you want one, you've got to jump on, you know, jump on the link there and get yourself an appointment and make sure that you, you log that into your diary so that, you know, you're not, uh, you're not wasting your time, but you're not wasting my advisor's times either. So the sessions are free currently. They may not be in the future, but they certainly are now. Um, and I only have a handful of those, um, of those uh, appointments available to you. So if, for those of you listening to me on a podcast, uh, the, t- the place to go to get those appointments is iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions. Okay, so it's iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions and you can jump on there and, uh, and make, a, make an appointment. I'm calling these my I Love Real Estate Breakthrough Sessions because that's what it's about. It's about breaking through and getting clarity around where you are, where you want to go and what you got to do to get there. So let's get back to the class. All right. Now, uh, the, the, as I said before, the, one of the countries that I'm going to put a spotlight on is New Zealand, the beautiful, beautiful neighbour New Zealand. What's been happening over there? 
wow, look what's been happening over there. I mean, this chart shows that the house prices, uh, particularly in Auckland, but right across New Zealand, have been going vertically up far more even than we're experiencing here in Australia. So massive, massive increase there. In fact, they're increasing so fast that the New Zealand government is actually imposing LVR restrictions or loan to valuation restrictions. So you actually have to have more money in order to be able to borrow to buy properties, particularly in some of the hotspots and particularly in Auckland. Now, this is something that New Zealand got very, very right um, back at the end of 2017 when we had all of the foreign investment for forcing pricing up and they put LVR restrictions there um, on Auckland. We didn't get it right in this country. We ended up with uh, smashing the whole um, borrowing system to pieces so that we're, we're now in the process of trying to mend it and put it all back together just to be able to get the growth that we need to be able to cover from COVID. So, you know, uh, New Zealand got it very right. We got it very, very wrong. This is the, uh, the chart of now seasonally just a median house prices. Just look at these Figures, my God, look at them all. Um, now, a lot of these areas, you know, if you're a Kiwi, you'll probably recognise where they are. But just to just to pull out a few there, you know, we're talking Auckland um, jumping by you know, 20%. Now, this is this is massive, 20% up. Um, and I think, you know, you can look at the figures and you know, say, I'll, I'll put that on a big screen. You've got it on the big screen there. Um, so that you're able to see the... Um, see all of those figures, but uh, when you have a look at, at these, these percentage increases, you know, they are massive. This chart shows that even more so because what this chart shows is how Sydney have gone and we can see here, look, Sydney's gone upwards as well. But what we're actually seeing is that Sydney is probably about six months behind um, Auckland. So if we only get half of what Auckland's done, then uh, Sydney's in for a hell of a run. And, and so too are the other major capital cities, etc. Let's have a look at what's happening in the United States. Now, in the United States, um, we have property prices increased. Now, you've got to remember when you look at these charts, I'm going to show you shortly. This, these charts are... Um, they're not as big as they could be, I suppose. And the reason for that is United States is not property-centric. Their main go-to when we have an economic upheaval is stocks and shares. It is not property. So even taking that into account, this is what the chart is showing. And you can see there that, uh, you know, this compares the recovery of the property market um, compared to, sorry, the real, the, the real GDP, this isn't property market, this is the GDP, this is, this is the general economy. Um, and it shows there how, how the blue line, how massively that has recovered compared to other periods of time and other periods where we've had a recession. So at the end of 2008, which was the GFC, you can see there long time to recover there. Um, the early 80s, again, the black line, much, much longer, probably twice as long as it has been for, for COVID. Uh, the early 90s is the yellow one. Took a long time, but didn't fall as deeply. And then 2001, which was the dot-com bubble, again, didn't fall as deeply, but took a long time to recover. So, um, you know, taking that into account, you know, you know that's, that's, um, that's very... 
uh, encouraging, I think, is the is the right word to talk about. You know how quickly the economy is actually recovering, even in the states where they're still going through so many cases per day of COVID and and everything else that's happening. So this one shows you the net worth of households, and this is this is one of the greatest increases in a shorter space of time that America has experienced since the early 90s. Uh, and you can see there how vertically that goes up. So that's the net wealth. So we hear all these stories about, you know, food stamps and, and, and how poor and, you know, the America is and how they're, they're struggling and all the rest of it. Look, there's, there's pockets of that. There absolutely is. But across the board, Americans are wealthier as a result of COVID than they were before COVID. Now, the next chart um, will, well, actually, the next two charts are probably pretty, pretty telling. This one just shows, you know, the household wealth and how that's increased. So that's really, uh, that includes nonprofit organisations as well. So that's a, the, the personal disposable income. So that backs out up the one that we, the chart that we had there before. This chart shows you how uh, real estate prices have gone as a result of that net wealth. So you can see the blue one there, that's as at March, you can see an, a 5.8% increase um, for suburban houses. Urban general is about 2% and rural about 3.2%. So even where America is not so property centric, um, even there, the property prices are going up. Now, the next chart is going to probably sadden you to some extent. And this is typical of every downturn. It's probably where a lot of the um, conspiracy theories have come from and all of those other things, whether you buy into that or you don't buy into it. The reality is that when you have a downturn, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That's the result. So we're going to see more and more change, particularly in America, but also across uh, across the country. So this, this really just shows the increase that's happened as a result of COVID. You can see how pricing dropped dramatically and then how quickly it went up. But when you consider who owns the most property and uh, you know who's getting the wealthiest out of all of this, it's definitely the, um, you know, the, those who started with a considerable amount of wealth. Let's talk about Australia. Here we go. Isn't that a beautiful shot that I've got there for you, show depicting what Australia means to us or what it meant to me when I was putting these slides together? Um, okay, so what's happening in the property market? Look, this is what has happened in the property market uh, since the pandemic started. So we've started this as at um, January last year. And you can see there how prices went up to about March uh, because it was on that run of the, you know, the freer lending, which was happening as a result of the Royal Commission being over and the, and the APRA coming in and saying, it's a good time to lend now, boys. We need to get you back on board. Um, and then we had COVID hit. And you can see what happened to pricing across the board there. So, uh, you know, Melbourne, Perth, Sydney, uh, Adelaide never missed a beat. My goodness, they, they didn't really go down at all. Um, and Brisbane barely went down. So Brisbane and Adelaide in this chart really show the, the stronger figures and Melbourne shows the weakest figures. Um, I think the thing to remember about Perth is it was already bashed around the ears. It was already low for a long period of time. It's only now just started to, to take off.
So this is uh, this shows you the same kind of figures, but what we're showing here is um, housing inflation just just across the board, and you can see this goes back to 2015. And you, and I wanted to show you here how we've kind of jumped around through to um, you know through to the beginning of uh, the, sorry about halfway through 2019 we started to pick up. So this this period of time here between 2017 and 2000, mid 2019 was a reduction in pricing due to APRA, you know, and the restrictions that they put on the banks through that period of time. So they killed the economy, basically, because they took the, the lifeblood out of the economy by restricting lending. So that's what, what caused this big, big dip here. Then we had this brief reprieve um, between the middle of 2019 through to the beginning of COVID, where demand, you know, started to be met and we started to be able to buy property again like we wanted to. And then we had COVID and we've got this massive, massive drop off here. So, um, you know, that I think that really shows a pretty strong story. So the biggest issue facing the Australian housing market at the moment, though, is the lack of listings. We haven't got enough to sell because people are just sitting on their properties. Some are perhaps still a little uncertain as to whether uh, they'll be able to finance to get into another property. Some are a little bit uncertain about whether they're, you know, what their job security is. Um, and some are, are very well informed and going, I'm not selling. I'm sitting on a gold mine here. I'm just going to ride it out. All of those things equate to lack of listings. Agents simply don't have enough to sell. And it's creating massive, massive upward swings in property pricing because if something does come on the market, people are jumping in and paying way over listing price just to be able to buy something. So this is the biggest thing affecting. You can see the Sydney market there, um, you know, massive downturn in listings. You've got the Melbourne market, same thing happening here. Then you've got the Brisbane market, the Adelaide market, the Perth market. All of them are showing exactly the same thing. So, you know, we're going to have this, this big, big divide um, across across the, the the industry because we simply don't have enough to sell. So what's happening is demand is going up and up and up, supply is going down and down and down, and we're not creating enough housing to meet anywhere near the amount of demand that is actually out there. So uh, we're going to end up with an even greater divide between demand and supply, and the only thing that actually tampers that in the slightest is house prices increasing. And as house prices increase, the divide will start to shrink. But it's so, such a big gaping chasm, chasm at the moment, it's going to take a very, very long time for that to actually come into play. This is a, a, a chart, couple of charts here which show the medium time on the market. And you can see there that um, you know units are definitely on the market for longer um, and uh, you know, they're like, for instance, Sydney, 25 days on the market for a home or a house in Sydney, whereas there's 34 days on the market for a, a unit. Have a look at Brisbane. Now, Brisbane, Brisbane's a really market, market, different market here because what we're seeing, and Darwin's a little bit similar, the housing market is very, very strong. So we're seeing, you know, 26 days, 36 days, sorry, on the market for, uh, you know, the average house. But the unit is taking 51 days. Similarly, Darwin, 36 days for Darwin on the market and 53 days for a unit. 
Um, and I think that really tells a tale because the more land you have control over, the better, um, you know, the, 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 the more upside you're going to have in the long term because you can actually do things with it. Where you've got a unit, there's not much you can do with it. And that's why I've been so against that style of investing. Um, you know, if you want to live there, different story. But if it's an investment, you're going to do much better with housing if you can afford to get in. Um, and this is the discounting that's happening. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of discounting starting to happen there in Adelaide, which will probably show the fact that um, there'll be a little bit more of a cooling in that market, which is probably okay because they've been so strong for so long. Um, and a little bit there for uh, the Brisbane, particularly in the unit market as well. So that's interesting. It's interesting to see see what's happening across from a metrics perspective, and this is the um, the vendor discounting in a in another format. There you can see days on the market, etc. It's just another chart that shows exactly the same thing. Now the next thing I want to talk about here is the fact that money is cheap. It is so cheap right now. You know, we have never had interest rates where they are. And that's the case right across the board. This is a chart that shows not just, you know, some of the Western countries, but also like China where their interest rates are. They're one of the strongest ones as to interest rates actually being strongly in the positive. Now, these are, this is put out by the International Monetary Fund, um, but it, it's, it's uh, adjusted for inflation. So, um, you know, the GDP def deflator estimates. So you can see here, once we take the uh, deflation into account, we're, we're seeing these coming down into even the negative once inflation's taken into account. But as I said before, and this is the shocking chart that I really, really wanted to share with you, um, and the fact is that the wealthier are always, they always do the best in an economic downturn. So this is the sad chart that I, I wanted to show you here. Um, and it's those that are in the, the top quartile, which is the blue one here, um, that are making the most money. Those on the poorer end are the ones that are, you know, worse off uh, compared to where they were back in 1990. You can see the big divide there and the divide is getting greater and greater. If you look at just this as a percentage, how much, um, you know, the how much above the... Um, the, the general run of the mill, I suppose, the wealthy are back in the, or were back in the 90s compared to where they are today. The divide is massive. And this is something that uh, I, uh, I want you to really, I mean, you're shocked at it, yes. Are you um, uh, angry at it? Maybe. Um, but should you be encouraged by it? Yes. Why? Because you can be up here. You can be in that top, top quartile. You can be the ones that maximise um, your position the most. Now, we're coming into a period of time in the next three to five years where you've got a massive opportunity to take action and probably double, triple, quadruple, ten times your net wealth that you have right now. But you're going to have to be smart. You're going to have to be an intelligent property investor. And I believe you're going to need some help with that. You're going to need coaching. You're going to need some help. So a quick recap of what we've covered. We've looked at JobKeeper ending. It's not that bad. 
Um, yes, there's going to be some job losses, but they're going to be taken up in other sectors. Um, the trade war, yes, um, it's, it's, it's affecting things, but again, not that bad. We're, we're madly going into Indonesia, into Thailand, into India, the fastest growing country in the world right now, taken over from China, and into Saudi Arabia, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, we also looked at the housing market in New Zealand and in America, and both those countries are, you know, in the vertical, particularly Auckland. And if we, we look at the correlation between Auckland and Sydney, we're, Sydney's about six months behind where Auckland was. So if that's going to be the, the turnout, goodness me, we're in for a hell of a ride. Um, and then, of course, the real estate here in Australia and the cheap money. So we've covered a lot of ground. And these next three to five years are going to be very, very crucial for you, which is why I'm really encouraging you to get out there and take advantage of my very generous offer of a 60-minute breakthrough session so that uh, we can really work out where you're at, where you want to go, and a bit of a plan to actually get there. So... All you've got to do is book in one of those breakthrough sessions. They are limited, so jump on all the details. It's iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. That's all you've got to do. Subscribe to my emailing list so that you can actually get these uh, weekly uh, property investor, intelligent property investor masterclasses are coming to you every week. And of course, the best place to get them is uh, is so that you can see all of my charts and all of my uh, live data. So uh, jump on to my website, iloverealestate.tv, and you can get all of those things. And I'll be continuing to give you lots more training all through 2021 uh, to make sure that you're getting the most out of the market because this is not a time to sit back and relax. This is not a time to dilly-dally. This is a time to step up, um, take action and reap the rewards of, of making intelligent decisions. So that's it for me. Thank you for watching. Hope you have a great week and I will see you next week. Bye for now.